Hey friend, welcome back here to the Semi-Seminarian. As always, another week, mostly, another episode of our Bible study series that we call the Bible for Grown-Ups. We are now wrapping up our series. Four parts. Hope you go back and check those other parts out. Let us know what you think. Tonight we're wrapping it up, and in the wrap-up here, we're actually going to discover that Paul, the Apostle Paul, despite being chained to a Roman guard in prison, is going to give us all the secret to real happiness. If we have ears to hear. I'll see you on the other side. Uh, We're wrapping up our look at the book of Philippians, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the people in Philippi who were Christians who who were part of a church that Paul had started. Somebody asked me this question after listening to the podcast last week. And uh, it's good, just a reminder, just in our heads, where are we at? Jesus dies 30, 33, somewhere in that, in the first century, Jesus is born 3 BC or 0. There's some confusion about all that. But first century, and then in uh, 52, 52, Paul uh, starts this church in Philippi. And now it's 62 AD, and Paul is now writing his letter back to the church that he had founded. And tonight's story is What Me Worry? And that's a reference to anyone remember that, that phrase? You guys remember the, uh, the uh, comedy cartoon magazine or whatever called Mad Magazine? Oh, yeah. That goofy character with the big gap tooth guy, his name was Alfred E. Newman. His slogan, for whatever reason, was what? Me worry? Uh, But we're going to talk today about worry. And I was going to ask you guys to participate uh, by raising your hands if you worry. But then I was worried that you would be worried of what other people would think if you raised your hands and nobody would end up raising their hands. Reason is because we all worry. And I'd like to focus on a couple of truths that I, I think are I think are true. And it comes from the book uh, Soul Detox. And in that book, the author talks about a principle that I like a lot and I think is true. And that is whatever you fear is what you value the most. The amount of fear, the amount of anxiety, the amount of worry you put towards a subject has a direct correlation to how much you value that whatever thing you're worrying about. Whatever you fear the most reveals what you value the most. If you're worried about your kids' safety, then you value your children, obviously. If you worry about not getting married one day, it's because you value relationships and marriage. What you fear most reveals what you value most. The second thing, and we have just begun, the second thing about fear is this, okay? So whatever you fear the most reveals what you value the most. And then there's another thing about fear, and that is, What you fear the most 
often reveals where you trust God the least. Okay? Two things I think are true about fear from our perspective. What we fear most is what we value most. But as Christians, it also shows us a spiritual component. Because what we have anxiety, fear, worry about the most are places in our lives where honestly we're not trusting God. It's really a window. Our worry, our fear, our anxiety. It's really a window into our spiritual condition. You could define, I think, fear this way by saying, worry, fear, anxiety is the sin of distrusting the promises of God. When we worry, when we have anxiety, when we fear, in a way, we're sinning against God because we're basically saying, God, I know, God, you say that you are in charge all of the time and you have the power and you are always with me and you are there to protect me, but I don't really believe you when you say it. So rather than giving this anxiety to you, God, I think I'm just going to hang on to it for myself. Because I, I really, it's hard to hear, but it's true. I really don't trust you in this area of my life, God. Now, I want us to think as we're listening tonight to Paul and this idea of perspective and worry. And think about why is that? Because as rational, intelligent, adult people, we should be the kind of people that look at that and says, yes, that is true. What I fear most is what I value most. That means that my fear has something to do about something in my life that's very, very important. And yet, in the same way, because I fear it, it also shows I have a lack of trust in God. It's a really interesting spiritual issue. And I'm not sure if I have the answer to that for all of us. I'm not sure if I have that answer for myself. I don't know. I just think it's really interesting what it says about us, about fear. Because some of us worry about the economy. Some worry about our finances, the stability of our jobs. Some are consumed with worry about not getting left behind by their friends set, trying to keep up with others all the time. Some people, obviously, worry about their health. They worry about their relationships. Most people with kids, right, at one time or another, worry about their own children. And the list of things that we could worry about goes on and on and on and on and on. In fact, you might have, let's, I'll tell you, it, it could change in a heartbeat, right? You could have been a chronic worrier. And you could have taken to heart this kind of truth. And you could have taken a spiritual walk, growing closer to God as God helps you overcome the sin of worry. And you've made so much progress in your life, you really don't worry like you used to at all. Things are going great. You might almost say, you know what? I don't have a lot to worry about. And then you wake up and you find that you've got two teenage, two, two teenage daughters that are now driving age. Right? And your prayer for life becomes a lot more purposeful. 
You find your prayer life definitely increasing because of the worry. 11.30 at night, you know they're just over to a friend's house, but they're not home yet, and you're worried. Where are they? Right? Some people I know, you may not know people like this. I do, although I know people that you know, and this is true about them. Some people worry when there's nothing to worry about. Some people feel like they can only be content whenever there's fear, worry, or anxiety in their life. Because if something's not going on now, man, it's just around the corner. Well, what I'd like to do is I'd like to show you all today from the book of Philippians this key thought. And we have been talking about this concept the, for the last month, and that is about perspective. And what we worry about is all about our perspective. Worry is a matter of perspective. Now remember, let's go back and have just a retrace of our story from, from what this book is and from whence it comes. 62 AD, it's written. What's Paul doing? Where's Paul at? Let's not forget Paul's writing from prison about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But remember, he wasn't just in prison, but he was actually chained to a different guard, one that served a four-hour, sorry, six-hour shift, four different guys, 24 hours a day. Paul is chained to a Roman guard. And while he's under arrest and chained to somebody else, what's he doing? He's actually waiting to hear, perhaps from the empire, that you are going to die. We're going to condemn you to death. At any moment, whenever he's pinning these words, he could find out we're going to behead you. Your time is up. So he uses this opportunity to move the gospel forward, even when... He was awaiting what could be the, possibly the worst news of his life. If anybody had cause to worry, at least in this moment, it was Paul. But Paul had a different perspective. He had a different perspective about God. He had a different perspective about Jesus and about our relationship with God than most people do. And he's the one that says, Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Shall trouble? No. Hardship? No. Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Well, I don't know. God, have you ever seen me? Uh, peril? Sword? No. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from God. Because Paul has a different perspective about God. Remember, we talk about the trials and tribulations that Paul and the experiences that Paul had in his own life that created this different perspective. He had seen the faithfulness of God through more life tragedies than you or I personally could ever imagine. He had seen God be faithful to him when he had been shipwrecked, bitten by snakes and should have died. He had seen the face... Uh, the faithfulness of God when he had been beaten, when he was persecuted and whipped and left for dead, Paul was. They, as my, he, they thought Paul, they, they stopped whipping him because they just thought he was just going to die in the ditch. And he saw the faithfulness of God. 
When they stoned him, when they imprisoned him, again and again and again, Paul sees the faithfulness of God in his life because of all uh, he had experienced. And so because of that experience that had strengthened his faith, Paul could say, what? Me worry? In fact, what he really says from a Roman prison is the opposite. Rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. I'll say it again. He says rejoice. And this time he says something, and this will be our key phrase. If you recall, we're going to really hone in on this idea of joy and rejoicing. He said, in what? Rejoice in the Lord. Now I want to put God in a box, but this is the best picture I think I have for us to walk out with this message. Rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. What's he referring to when he talks about his gentleness? He's talking about the peace that comes through having a personal relationship with God. He's talking about a lack of anxiety because of a trust in God. Let other people see your gentleness as evidence that the Lord is near. When we see the Lord as Paul has seen the Lord, he's going to show us that we don't have to worry. Some people, some of us just think worry is just a way of life. And some Christians will even try to soften the word worry. and say, well, I don't really worry, but I have concerns. We don't have to worry when we know the Lord. He's going to teach us two things. Paul. The first thing tonight we're going to see is Paul is going to teach us we don't have to worry about what will happen when we know who is in charge. We don't have to worry about what will happen when we know who is in charge. In other, in other words, we don't have to worry about the how when we have the who. We don't have to worry about the how when we have the who. And if we have a who that knows the how, then we're okay, right? And I know that kind of sounds like Dr. Seuss, but we don't have to worry about the how when we have faith in the who, right? Look at it from a scriptural standpoint. Verse 6 and 7, chapter 4, letter to the Philippians. Here's what Paul says and does it a million times better. He says, you don't have to worry about what will happen when you know who is in charge. Therefore, he says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't be anxious about a thing. Nothing. No thing. But how much are we to pray? Everything. And what does everything mean? Everything. Whatever you consider small, whatever you consider large, whatever you consider trivial, whatever you consider importance, with thanksgiving, present those worries to God, those prayers to God. And when that happens, and I could preach this all day long, but until you actually experience this happen for yourself, you're not going to fully understand the power of these words. But friends, if you do do this for yourself... Regardless of the fact that I said do-do, you are going to find this to be true. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. Some of us, maybe, maybe that word of encouragement right there might be all we need. 
Maybe, maybe that's why God brought you here this evening, because you just have become a wound up ball of worry. God's going to say to you, don't have to worry about the how. And you've got the who. But in everything by prayer. Pray about everything. So what we're going to learn to do, so we're going to learn to trust the Lord. If you're worried about your finances, remember what we, about what we fear, what it says about us? If you're worried about your finances, we do what God tells us to do. We trust God with the tithe. We return it to him. We live beneath our means so we don't consume everything. So we have something by which we might be generous. Right? We're worried about the economy. So we look at our finances and we say, I trust my money to the Lord. Right? You're worried about relationships. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my spouse. I'm worried about whatever. It's Christmas, right? We got to go to that psycho relative's house. Right? Give your psycho relatives to the Lord. Don't take them back. Give them to the Lord. You're worried about your, your job. What if I lose my job, right? Well, this isn't a platitude, but it's the truth. If you believe God's the provider, who creates jobs? Who, who provides? So I give to the Lord. You're worried about your health, right? Or the health of someone you love? Right? You, you trust them to the Lord. You pray about everything. You give him everything that you might worry about. Why? Because God's got this. If we'll let him. If we'll let him. Because if you want to worry, whatever that thing is you're worrying about, you've got to take that worry back from God. And say, you know what, God, I just don't trust you can handle this. So I'm going to take this back. Right? And we need, some of us might just need to make a God box where we can take our worries and just dump them off and give them to God through prayer. And that doesn't mean that we don't do anything. And I think that's just sometimes where a lot of this idea of this Christian teaching gets cut off. Because I think sometimes people hear, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. As long as you're praying, you're doing all you've got to do. Who told you that? Don't worry about it, yes. But if there is something you can do about your situation, God is calling you to do it. Those are steps of faith. We don't just sit around on the couch watching Andy Griffith waiting for God to come, for our ship to come in. And wonder why it hasn't come in yet. I think it's taught that way sometimes. Or maybe, you know, if you really want good things to happen, well, maybe you need to put a little money in the pot. Right? That kind of, you guys see what I'm saying? No. There's still things we have to do. And if we can do something about it, then it's our job to change it. We work in cooperation with the creator in his creation. But there's many, things, there's many things we cannot control that only God can control. And if only God can control, then we don't have to worry about it because we can't do anything about it anyway. Right? So I'm going to give you a little pop quiz. We're going to think, can I do it? No. Who do I give it to? Right? Can you heal your sick loved ones? No. No, you cannot. Right? So what do you do? You give them to the Lord. 
Can you, can you fix your struggling marriage? You can't, right? You think you can, but you can't. Not without God. And so, you trust your spouse to the Lord. Can you protect your kids from all of the dangers of the world? No. Right? So what do we do? We do what we can do. We provide the guardrails that we can provide. We do what we are called to do. But in the end, they have to leave that up to God. We can't control whether we're going to always keep our job or there won't be another financial hiccup. So why worry? There's nothing we could do about it anyway. Can you control your future? No. No. Does God control your future? Yes, God does. So take your future and give it to God. Can you change anything by just worrying? No. Can God change anything by his power? Yes. So if there's something that you're worried about, say, hey, I'm not going to worry about anything, but in everything, I'm going to present my request to God. And then this peace that, ex- that extends beyond our human ability to understand guards our hearts and minds. And I think, you know, we talked last time about that portion of Christian poetry that was either probably a poem that they read or a song that they sang. I think this is, I don't think this is uh, Christian poetry in the way that was Christian poetry, but I think that's poetry. And I also think that it's one of the truths of the world. And I also think it's one of the elusive truths because you actually have to do something to experience it. And that something is give your worries and pray to God. But unless you've ever actually done that with humility and integrity, you won't experience that peace. And you'll wonder, why don't I feel like all of those other Christians say they feel? Well, how much do you trust God? It's a matter of perspective. We think worst case scenario. In the book of Philippians, Paul is trying to get us to think best case scenario. That's basically what Paul is saying in verse 8 and 9. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on those things. He doesn't say, hey, if anything is bad or miserable, just sit around griping about it all day. He doesn't say to think about, to focus on those things. He says the opposite. He says it's a matter of perspective. Think about the good things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, Paul says, or seen in me, put it into practice. And, he says, let the God of peace be with you. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen when you trust who's in charge. You give it to the Lord and you will feel a peace in your heart, your mind, your soul in Christ Jesus. And there's another thing I think that a lot of people worry about today. A lot of us are really worried about what we have, like the things in our lives, our status. A lot of us can't be content with the home that we live in, and so we always find ourselves going through show homes. Right, And then you go back to your pathetic little shack, you think, what happened? And, and we do that, fall into that comparison trap stuff 
all of the time. And every time we do that comparison trap game, we end up feeling like I'm not satisfied with anything I have. A lot of people are we're discontent in the way that we look, the way we feel, our status in life. And, and we're constantly consumed with, I wish I had a different house. I wish I had a different job. I wish I had a better marriage. I wish my kids were doing something different. I wish I wasn't so busy all the time. And we find ourselves incredibly dissatisfied with all of the things we've been provided, where we are in life, despite the fact we have life. I don't like what I have. Paul's going to say, point number two for tonight, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about what you have when you trust and know who really satisfies, right? And he's going to say basically, and I think this is true about this whole book. He's going to say, I'm going to let you in on a little spiritual secret. And these are some of my favorite things because I just have this internal belief or, or uh, understanding, even if it's not true, where I encounter a lot of people that encounter me and know what I do for a living and want to know what's the secret. What's the secret? What's the, tell me the stuff that other people, what's the trick? And Paul is going to tell us the trick. The problem is, it's not what we expect because we expect it's a super cool password, right? Where all the water slides don't have lines and the buffet is all you can eat, right? And never closes. And life just becomes awesome because you got the secret sauce of Christianity. And that is not what it is. He says, I rejoice greatly. He's like, I'm, here's the secret. I rejoice greatly in the Lord at last that you've renewed your concern for me. He says, indeed, you've been concerned, but you haven't had an opportunity to show it. And so in verse 11, here we go. He goes, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, because I'm not. Although he's in prison, remember his perspective. He says, I've learned to be content. Here we are, here we are. I've learned to be content. This is something God taught Paul. Because we as humans are not naturally content. We're naturally discontented because of our sinful nature. He says, but because of God's goodness, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Whatever the circumstances. Whether good, bad, whether great, horrible, no matter what is going on in my circumstances, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here's the secret. He says, no matter where I am, no matter what's going on, no matter what I have, don't have, I'm not going to worry. Why? Because I can do everything through Christ 
who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Because of my perspective, because of what I have experienced with regard to God's goodness, because I've heard God's voice, because I've experienced God and God's presence through the greatest trials of my life, and because he's never left me and he's never forsaken me, I've learned that his love is greater than my life. That's why he says for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Why? Because of my perspective now, I don't see my life as my own. I'm hidden with God in Christ. When you look at me, Paul says, you don't see me. I want you to see the Lord. And I don't worry because it's not about me. And it's not my job, and it's not about my money, and it's not about my relationships, it's not about my health. Why? Because I've given all of these things to the Lord. My health is in Him. My life is in Him. My security, my relationships, my provision, all of that in Him. It is not in my ability to control. So I don't have to worry because my life is in the Lord. It's a different perspective we don't have to worry because our lives are hidden in Christ Jesus and he'll meet all of our needs because he's the Lord of all and suddenly when we get to that place if we can get to that place we find it's not about us it's really about him and when that happens everything changes and that's the secret The secret of fulfillment and joy and and peace is backed up throughout Scripture. Let me give you just some scriptural references. In the 37 Psalm, verse 4, we're told to delight in ourselves. Psalmist doesn't say, hey, delight in the new truck you got, the new boat you got, that new thing, the new raise, the fact that you don't have cancer, right? I'm just saying the fact that your kid won first place, got a trophy. Your kid won last place, still got a trophy. Right? Because that's how they do things today. That's not it. Right? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 11, verse 1, says, Our hiding place, our safety, that place in which we are secure, where is it? It is in the Lord that we take refuge. Psalm 118 says, It's better. Better. You guys remember better? It's better. It's better one. Remember that? Psalm 118, verse 8 says it's better to take refuge, to take trust in the Lord. Okay? I I do what I can do, but I'm going to give God what I can't and trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us to trust in the Lord, Lord, and lean not on our own understandings, but to trust in the Lord who will make our paths straight. And for those that wonder, where do I stand with God? Have I been too bad for him? Could God really ever forgive me for everything I've done wrong? Is there really any grace for someone that's been as bad as I've been? Acts 16 verse 31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Right? Not saved because of what you've done. Not saved because of what you have, 
but because of the one you believe in. It's not about us, our money, our relationships when we're hidden in the Lord. And when we are, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry about the how when we have the who. We don't have to worry about what we have when we know who truly satisfies. And so this evening, whatever concern that you've carried in with you this evening, let me ask you prayerfully, friend, who are you going to give it to? We're going to do what we can do, and we're going to trust God with the things that we cannot control. We're going to give it to the Lord, and we are going to choose to pray about everything and worry about nothing. Because when we've given it to the Lord, that's when the peace of God transcends being all human understanding truly falls upon our hearts. Amen? Amen. Any questions? Did you say it was short? It's 6.43. You know, as we come around the home stretch of our look at Philippians... I think this four-part study really stands as a tremendous example of what we're trying to accomplish with a semi-seminarian. That it really takes more than just reading the words on the page. It takes understanding what's happening when those words are written. If we, if we don't know that, that Paul is chained to a a guard if we don't know he's awaiting his possible execution and then we hear him talking about rejoicing in life if we think maybe he's on some greek island somewhere writing about the how how cool life is well then we've got a completely wrong view of what's being said and why the words are important it really is a matter of perspective we understand that our lives are to be devoted and given fully to God. It changes everything in our life. It certainly changes the way we think. And those thoughts, those thoughts lead to our words and those words lead to our actions. Those actions eventually create our destiny. That's how important it is. At least it's something to think about. Hey friend, until next week, I hope you'll be well and be blessed. I'll see you next time.